welcome this evening. I don't notice guests offhand. If there are some, we welcome you. But even if you're not a guest, it's good to have you. If you're watching us online, we welcome you tonight, wherever you may be. You can uh, you can be seated. I'm going to start off um, saying a few things before we get into... Um, yeah, reading some scripture. So, um, first off, and this doesn't happen too often, it doesn't mean that one of us missed it, but it's not always that the worship team or an individual leading worship is like spot on with what's taught or preached. A lot of times it doesn't really go that way for good reasons, but It's interesting, the choice of songs this evening in light of what I feel led to share with you. Actually, I kind of appreciated the confirmation. So, um, I want to, we're on a lighter note. It's a good thing this is not a boat. Because if this was a boat, we would be like really leaning I don't know what the deal is. I don't know if y'all are just so weary getting up the stairs that it's just the first available seats. This this section here is always so I, I don't I don't need anybody moving now, but you know, I, I feel like I gotta lean this way the whole evening. <laughs> I I wanna I wanna read to you um most of chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians, because I I want you to get kind of the whole context. Most of you will be familiar with this passage, but when I get to where I feel directed to go this evening, I I want you to get the the full gist. I, I realize, in fact, I've realized this personally in the last just probably a couple of months. If we're, if we're, if we're not careful we can start to take for granted, especially passages of the Bible that we are very familiar with. And and one of, in fact, I, I forget what it was recently, but recently somebody read a verse, and I, I realized as they were reading that verse that it, it's a, it was a fairly common verse, and I realized that there was a part of that verse that in my quoting of that verse, I, I misquoted. It wasn't necessarily uh, anything too terrible, but it, it wasn't fully accurate. And, and I've, I've realized that a few times lately where I've kind of taken for granted through the years passages that are very familiar. And, and the other part of that, not just the quoting of the verse, but the context of the verse. Can I, can I, let me back up for a second here, or not back up, but let me just, can I remind you, I'm doing this just for my own value, really, but we, we, we have, you may, most of you know this, I think, and many of you are probably really not conscious of it, because it's not your responsibility to be conscious of it, but going into every service, meaning our three different services, there there is a fairly unique focus that I have for every service. 
Sunday mornings, first and foremost, try to be mindful of ministering to our guests, to prodigals that may be coming home, um, not about appealing or pleasing them, but there's, 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 that's when we usually have the majority of guests, and to get up and preach some deep theological message that means nothing to them is really not effective. And then Sunday night kind of is more geared toward ministry to the body, and then tonight is, is more about teaching, equipping, and it's, it's really the chance out of any just to kind of slow down and try to dig a little deeper. So I, I'm, I'm never here to entertain you, but Thursdays is definitely not about... I, I, I think I've acknowledged this publicly. I'll acknowledge it to you this evening. I, I really don't use the lapel mic on thurs, just on Thursdays just to kind of try to be a little bit cooler. Um, I use it because it's, it's actually, for me, it is a conscious reminder of the difference of what I'm doing Thursday versus what I do Sundays. Because you can't really get with it with a. I mean, some preachers preach with them all the time, but I mean, you can't really dig down and make a point when you. So, and I, I know that may seem very whatever, simple, ignorant, or whatever. But but honestly, that's I, that's why I do it. Because um, in some ways, it's nicer to have a mic in your hand because you're less. Worried about figuring out what to do with your hands when you at least have a mic to hold in your hands. So I, I, I'm, I'm uh, all that because I, I know I know who I'm talking to this evening. This is this is as Brother Grossbach would say the nucleus. This is this is as close to the nucleus as we get in sort of a large setting. And, and so, back to this point, I, I'm challenging you. I'm challenging with you with something I've recognized about me. And, and so, if we're not careful, we can, we can start taking some things, not necessarily intentionally, but we can start taking them a little bit out of context. So, all of that, because I, I, I want you to kind of wear... I feel led to go this evening. I, I want to make sure you get the the context. Again, sometimes I think we, we forget what, you know, we get caught up with a verse or a, a saying and we forget what it's really connected to. I mean, that's part of the just one simple example of of where I think this is one of the many places that this is important. But, I mean, if you shall ask anything in my name, that's that's awesome verse all by itself. But when you get the context of that verse, that verse is not some magical way to get God to do anything you want to do. There's some things that are around that verse that are critical to that verse. So, I, I, I want to begin 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I'm going to begin with verse 4. Paul says, There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are differences of administrations, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of operation, but it is the same God which worketh all in all. Part of what Paul's saying here is we're not clones of each other. We're not intended by God to do everything exactly the same way. If you're 
called to preach or teach, you're not supposed to just do it exactly the way somebody else does it. I've, I've been told, especially the last few years, more so by people outside of Antioch, that, you know, you really remind me of your dad. Well, I may remind you in some ways of my dad, but I'm not him. I can't be him. And I stopped trying to be him long time ago, thankfully. So every one of us has got to learn not just what God has gifted us with, but how God intends for that to operate through us, because we are not supposed to just simply mimic one another. So, there are diversities of operations, but it's the same God which worketh all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit. To another, by, to another faith by the same Spirit. To another the gifts of healing by the same Spirit. To another the working of miracles. To another prophecy. To another discerning of spirits. To another diverse kinds of tongues. To another the interpretation of tongues. But all these worketh that one and the selfsame Spirit dividing to every man severally as he will. For as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. i got a feeling some of you think you know where I'm going this evening with these verses, but I'm probably not going where you think I'm going. For the body is one, hath many members, all the members of that one body being many or one body, so also in Christ. I'll just tell you where I'm not. This is not here tonight to teach you about unity. For by one Spirit we were all, are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one Spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. If the foot shall say, because I am not the hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear shall say, because I am not the eye, am I not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? And if the whole body were hearing, where were the smelling? But now hath God set the members. Now hath who? Now hath... God set. Now hath God set the members. You need to be at peace that you are where God has set you. And if God hasn't set you the same place He set somebody else, that's okay. We don't need all hands. We don't need all feet. We need each member being who God created them to be as God has set them to be. Problem is we get our eyes on certain parts of the body, spiritually speaking, and we all think we've got to be that or a lot of us want to be that. God set the members, everyone in the body, and here, here's the part, here's the part that's the problem. He set everyone as members in the body, how? 
as what? As it has pleased you and me, right? God put me in the body where I want to be. God made me in the body what I want to be. No. God has set you as a member in the body as it pleased Him. You cannot be successful in the body by trying to be something you're not. And if you somehow figure out how to succeed at being something you are not set to be, you are a failure. Why well, I, I, I think there's, there's a lot of times, and it seems like we do it more so with the brothers than we do with the sisters, but just about any time, you know, we find a, guy, a man, young or old, that seems to have some kind of, you know, hunger and passion and desire, we, we call them to preach. Or the moment somebody becomes successful in one area of ministry, we, well, you're called. Surely you're called. What if God, what if they are where God set them to be? And you try to get them to be something they weren't called to be. As it has pleased Him. Okay. And if they were all one member, where were the body? But now are they many members, yet one body? And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of thee, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Nay, much more, those members of the body which seem to be more feeble are necessary. And those members of the bodies which we think to be less honorable, upon these we bestow more abundant honor, and our uncomely parts have more abundant comeliness. For our comely parts have no need. These things are nice. If you don't have them, you look odd. But you don't really need these. We call this our ear, but that's not what hears. Because I've seen people that have had, there years ago, there was some, I think they were from Nicaragua, if I'm not mistaken, there was a, a pastor who had been persecuted for his faith and they literally cut his, we say they cut his ears off, they, they cut these off, he could still hear. So we, 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 we look at these, uh, where are we at? Our comely parts have no, I mean, I like this stuff. No offense to any of you here, because some of you don't, it's not my choice, it's not your choice. I, I decided a long time ago, turning gray was way better than turning loose. And the grayer I got, the more my wife told me I was actually better looking. So I was like, bring on the gray baby. <laughs> Let, we, we know, we, we, no one voluntarily gives up their hair, male or female. We don't have to have it to live. You ever looked at an, a heart, a picture of a heart? I don't mean a heart emoji. I mean a heart. 
Ever seen a picture of a brain? There is not one thing attractive about it. It's not a comely part. The bottom line is you can live without your hair. You can't live without your heart. Some of you are trying to be a more comely part when actually what God has made you is a more necessary part. Tell you something, I, I know some, most of you, I would say most of you, but just in case there's a few, there may be a few. This, standing up here week after week is not all it's cracked up to be. And the older I've gotten, the more I've realized that. God sets the members as it pleases. This is not even where we're going. This is just, you know, all appetizer. Why? That there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care one for another. And whether one member suffer, all the members suffer with it. Or one member be honored, all the members rejoice with it. Stub your tiny little toe on the corner of... We, we got this, this, the frame we now have as our bed, and we've now had it a couple of years. I don't know who the brilliant person was that decided, but right in the middle, right about the spot I take my last step to get in the bed, there's a post underneath of there. When my foot catches that, once every couple of weeks, my entire body comes to attention. God never let it be that we get to a place where part of the body is in pain and the rest of the body doesn't care. Whether one member suffer, all the members suffer with it. Or one member be honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now ye are the body of Christ and members in particular. And God hath set some in the church, first apostles, secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers, after that miracles, the gifts of healing, helps, governments, diversities of tongues. Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, are all workers of miracles, have all the gifts of healing, do all speak with tongues, do all interpret? What's the answer? No. Do we believe in those gifts? I just I was meeting with Bishop last week just trying to give him an overview and, and share some things from this past year that have gone on, what we're doing, and sharing with him who's doing what. And, 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 and I said to him in the course of that, I am, I am so excited. Brother Middleton, I am so excited and encouraged by, by the operation of the gifts of the Spirit that I am seeing in the next generation. <laughs> I, it is so awesome. And not just Brother Isaac or Brother Mike McGurk. I, I mean numerous people, stories that have trickled back that I've heard of, 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 of things that people are, are have prophesied or said to somebody and dreams and all these things because you know what? There's, there's a lot of places that's a thing of the past. God don't ever let that be a thing of the past here. 
because that's not just an optional extra. We've got to have the gifts of this. We cannot function. We cannot be successful without the operation of the gifts of the Spirit. I am thankful that there's another generation that is beginning to exercise and operate in those things. But not everybody, not everybody is called to do everything. In fact, nobody's called to do everything. (laughs) But you know what? Not everybody operates in those glorious gifts that we all want to operate in. Notice what, notice what Paul said in, in, in the, the listing of these. Uh, God has set some in the church, apostles, long line of people that would love to be an apostle, prophet, you know, those two, and kind of this, excellent, anybody's lining up, woo, I'll be. After that, there's another one, we'll take that one in healings, but let's, let's, let's kind of skip over that next one. Notice Paul refers to that as a gift. In the same verse where he's talking about apostles and prophets and healings and miracles, Paul talks about that. This is not the only thing he does, and he's not the only one, but I'll tell you somebody I know who has that gift of helps. My lifelong friend, Brother Vernell Spriggs Jr., it's a gift. It's not a second. Notice, again, he puts it in the same verse. Still not to where I feel I'm going. But surely that maybe there's somebody the Lord knew you, you, you need to hear this. I've shared this many times. I'll share it again tonight in this context. I spent years of my ministry struggling with the fact that I didn't call people out and read their mail. Because we know that's the gifts. And that's one of the cool gifts. I mean, come on. It doesn't happen very often, but years, there's some folks been around long enough. Years ago, we'd have, there's a couple of different guys came through, and you knew. Some of them, they were going to read a few scriptures, say a few things, but it was you were just waiting. Who are they going to call out? And you sit there, and they, and they were gifted, and they, they'd say stuff to people they didn't know, didn't know anything about. Like, Man, that is so cool, as long as it's good stuff. It's not cool if you're getting, you know, your dirty laundry aired. That's what I appreciate about Brother Hurt. He does that. He's done as, as well as anybody we've ever had. He's called people out, and I've sat there and listened to stuff he said to people, thinking, Mike, he doesn't, he doesn't know that. It's not a performance. It's not a... You've you got to be you. Finally, it dawned on me a while ago now, thankfully... I started going, wait a minute, I walk, I leave a service and somebody comes up and says, Pastor, thank you for that message. I was just in a conversation last night. You just addressed, you just answered the questions we asked. And I started going, wait a minute. Okay, so I can't stand somebody up in front of everybody and tell them 
stuff nobody knows, but apparently I do know how to hear from God. Don't measure your gift and your calling by somebody. You be you. Be content with who you are and where God has set you as pleases Him, not as it pleases you. You know what, I'm just going to go ahead and address something here. He's not here, so it's easier to address it. But but there's, there's, and I've had a couple of conversations one-on-one. There are probably a few more than the ones I've had conversations with. But we all love Brother Mike McGurk. That loudest amen was was Nona, Grandma. (laughs) He is an amazing guy. He, he is, but there's, a, there's, there's some sitting here tonight and others that aren't here tonight. You've lived frustrated because you've measured success in ministry by being Mike. You aren't called to be Mike. You aren't called to, if, if you were, God would have opened the door. So if God didn't open the door, that's not your measurement of success. I, I, I believe it or not, some of you may not really understand, but I can relate to a degree because I've spent years frustrated and discouraged measuring my success because of my peers. And they were where God wanted them to be, but that's not where I was supposed to be. There's a story in, in the Old Testament. I forget, I think David was the king, I think. There was a message that needed to be delivered. And there was a messenger that wanted to deliver the message. Only problem was he hadn't been given the message. But he was so zealous to deliver the message, he took off running, shows up to the king to deliver a message, but he doesn't have anything to say. You're better off being patient. Letting God give you something to say than just running off trying to keep up with the next person. And this is all just free. It isn't even the part that's going to cost you. Isn't that awesome? Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, are all workers of miracles, have all the gifts of healing, do all speak with tongues, do all interpret? So Paul's saying, there are these gifts, there are these different gifts that are in the body. There are these gifts that different people in the body have. If the body will work together, each member doing its part, it will succeed. If every member will just do what God has called that member to do, the body will be successful. How many of us, you can sit there and act like I ain't talking to you if you want to, but Jesus knows. How many have sat around and desired, not necessarily wrongfully, but desired and many prayed some? I wouldn't be surprised if there's some, at least one or two people here tonight. You haven't just fasted, but you have prayed to be used in the gifts. You believe in them. You know they're real. You know, God, I want to use me in the gift. God, use me. You, know, you fast and pray. And 
Watch this. Watch this. This next verse. Some of you are probably familiar with the next verse, but all of that (laughs) to give you the context of this next verse. After all of that, after, after acknowledging the gifts, after acknowledging the body, after acknowledging the members of the body and the place they play and the unity, all of that, after all of that, look what Paul says, but covet earnestly the best gifts, and yet show I unto you a more excellent way. Now, I, I want to, let me say, I'm going to sound real cool here. I need my skinny jeans with holes on to be real cool. But I'm going to see if I can, here we go, ready. I want to see if I can, let's, let's unpack this verse a little bit. I've heard that one a bunch of times now. Let's, let's unpack this. So let me, let me see if I can unpack this. Doesn't that sound cool? I feel cool saying it. I, I, this, this is one of those verses, though, at least for me. And I know there's, there's a lot of students of the Word here this evening. There, there, I, this, there's some people in this room, I, am, I know, you don't, you don't just read the Bible, just or you, you dig into the Word of God, and that is phenomenal. That's the way it's supposed to be. So somebody here may have a, you may have a full grasp on this, i all ears when I get done all right now <laughs> and and I, I, I after I felt this direction for tonight and I've been digging in this this is one of those verses there there was there's there was a verse recently I can't remember it I can't remember a lot of things I just know they happened I know they were said <laughs> but not too long ago I I, I, I preached something <laughs> where it was similar it was like there was a little bit of a grasp, but don't think I have the full thing. And, and this verse is kind of that way because in, in trying to study it out, trying to read some of the commentaries to get a little more perspective and, and understanding, there, there's not necessarily this clear-cut interpretation of what is being said here. For example... It seems to me there's there's a couple of ways to take this that I'm not sure there's one that's right and the other's wrong. When Paul says, covet earnestly the best gifts, you could take it as he's saying, okay, I've just listed all those gifts, but, but there's other more important gifts that you should covet. The other way of taking it is, it's okay. As long as you're working on the right motive and the right, as long as you're working on the right motive, it's okay to covet the gifts. But also, as long as you acknowledge God may or may not give me various gifts of the Spirit. One way or the other, there is a positive exhortation there. Covet earnestly the best gifts. Not a rebuke. It's it's not sarcasm. It's so maybe maybe 
the best gifts, maybe what Paul is saying here is the best gifts are not the things that were just said. And I think part of the reason for leaning in that direction is because of the remainder of the verse. Covet earnestly. You want, all, you want those things I just mentioned? You want those gifts? I just covet them. However, I want to show you a more excellent way. Desire those gifts. Want, desire to be used in those things. Go after them. I mean, there's a lot worse things you could go after than the gifts of the Spirit. Pursue those things. Try to get those things. Try to let God equip and empower and develop you with those things. But actually, I want to tell you, there's something better than the coveting of gifts. There's another way that's better than the pursuit of gifts. So all of that, I, all I've read is given... The context leading up to that verse. If all you're doing is looking on the screen and you don't have a device or a Bible open, you may not know that that is the last verse of chapter 12. And I got it back to some of my earlier remarks. I've heard this verse. I've, I know this verse. I've heard it. For a long time. But it's never really dawned on me. Wait a minute, that's the last verse. And again, chapter and verse references were not there when the letter was written. It was put there and thankfully it was put there for our reference and our ability to study easier than if it was all one long letter. But a new chapter is not necessarily, and a lot of times it is not, a new thought. I think sometimes we subconsciously read the Bible like we read a book. Because even though one chapter may have a connection, there's also something about starting a new chapter that sort of implies something new, a new thought. That's not the case in Scripture. There's many times when you go from one chapter to the next, it's not new. In fact, it's, it's important to keep it all connected. I know the next chapter. I can quote a lot of the next chapter. Not word for word, but I can quote a lot of it. I preach from the next chapter. But in all my years of ministry, I have never connected... 1 Corinthians 12, 31 to 1 Corinthians 13. We always talk about 1 Corinthians 13. We call it the love chapter. It's all about love. And it's an amazing explanation of love. In fact, I think we owe it to ourselves. I don't do this on a regular basis, but I think we all owe it to ourselves every couple of weeks or so to read 1 Corinthians 13. It's one thing for us to say we love. It's another thing to have those characteristics and qualities active in our lives. So again, I've preached from, I've taught from 1 Corinthians 
13, but Paul says in 1231, covet earnestly the best gifts. And yet, even though you can covet the best gifts, I want to show you a more excellent way. Covet the best gifts if you want, but I've got something better for you than coveting the best gifts. What's the better way is... Actually, before I read that, let me read to you. Amplified says it this way, 27, Now you collectively are Christ's body and individually you are members of each part severally and distinct, each with his own place and function. So God has appointed some in the church for His own use. First apostles, special messengers, second prophets, inspired preachers and expounders, third teachers, then wonder workers, then those with ability to heal the sick, helpers, administrators, speakers in different unknown tongues. And are, are, are all apostles, special messengers, are all prophets, inspired interpreters of the will and purpose of God? Are all teachers, do all have the power of performing miracles? Do all possess extraordinary powers of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? All that have the Holy Ghost do speak with tongues. It may not be tongues and interpretation. But 31 says, earnestly desire and zealously cultivate the greatest and best gifts and graces, the higher gifts and choice, higher gifts and choicest graces. The way the Amplified says this to me leads more in the direction that when Paul says covet earnestly the best gifts, he is not talking about the ones he's just mentioned. He's not talking about apostles, prophets, healer, help, whatever. The higher gifts and the choicest graces. And yet I will show you a still more excellent way. One that is better by far and the highest of them all. Love. The New Living Translation 31, So you should earnestly desire the most helpful gifts. But now let me show you a way of life that is best of all. The Bible in basic English says, Let your desire be turned to the more important things given by the Spirit. And now I am pointing out to you an even better way. Let your desires be turned to the more important things given by the Spirit. I I would propose that in the context of what Paul's saying here, Galatians 5 is the more important things. The fruit, the things produced by the Spirit. Because as we will read in a moment in this next chapter, you can have the gifts and not have the fruit. Years ago, I believe it was in this sanctuary, I don't remember it was, I think it was in a, I think Brother Gonzalez was here for a, board of trustees meeting or something but was ministering to Antioch and and I believe it was in that setting that he said God is waiting for your character to catch up to your giftings God is waiting for your character to catch up to your it's a dangerous thing when God releases your giftings to work but you don't really have character 
I was going to read a little bit more of this, but for the sake of time, I'm going to browse. I'm going to not browse. I'm going to breeze over. This is from the teacher's commentary. I'm going to read the last paragraph here. How much we need to rediscover the reality of the body of Christ today. He's talking about that the Corinthian church was very individualistic. For our age, too, is ruggedly individualistic. We, too, exalt competitiveness and individual achievement. We, too, find it hard to work with others in a team relationship, but we are a body, and it is as a body, honoring each part, ministering and being ministered to, that we must learn to live in God's family. The more excellent way to experience life in Christ's body and to find fulfillment in ministry is to live the life of love that binds us together in harmonious unity. So the more excellent way that Paul is talking about is, though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity or love, I am become as sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. Though I have the gift of prophecy, and understand all all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. Though I read people's mail and have not charity, I'm nothing. Notice, notice, Paul is saying, you can have these gifts, you can do these things. I mean, these things he's talking about are referring to the things he just said in chapter 12. If I speak with the tongues of men and angels, but I don't have charity. If I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries. If I have the gift of faith and can move mountains. If I have all of that, but I don't have love, I am nothing. Now, now here's, I, I haven't read that last, next verse yet because I don't, I don't know about you, but I can sort of wrap my brain around these first two verses. I can sort of wrap my brain around prophesying and gifts of faith and healing without having love. But this, this next one is really interesting to me. Because he says, though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. I, I don't, I don't, to me, the giving and all of that that Paul describes in this verse, to me, those, that's sort of synonymous. The giving to the poor is an act of love. Willing to be a martyr is an act of love. And yet Paul says these things can be done but not have love. So that means you can covet gifts. Now again, I'm leaning more towards 
coveting the best gifts that Paul is talking about, there's better things than what he just mentioned. But even if you want to use it the other way, covet the, you can covet the gifts and get the gifts, but have it without love. The more excellent way is not to pursue the gifts. The more excellent way is to pursue love because you can have the gifts and not have love. But if you pursue love and have true godly love, the gifts will be a byproduct of the love. If you pursue the gifts because you want the gifts, you can do that with a very self-serving motive. But if you're going for the more excellent way, Loving God first and foremost, and then loving others. And then the gifts become an added blessing to do what God has called me to do. They're not the means by which I can gain notoriety. They're not the means by which I can get preaching engagements. They're not the means by which I can get a higher level of leadership at Antioch Central. Because if I go the more excellent way and love all of those other things become irrelevant. If I pursue the gifts, covet the gifts, but God chooses not to give me the gifts that I want, it would be very unfulfilling, very discouraging. But if I'll just take the more excellent way, Look, 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 look at what he says again. If you're, not, if, if you're not pretty familiar with this chapter, you owe it to yourself. I'm, I'm, I'm skipping several verses here that talk about what love really is. Love covers. Love hides. Love believes the best. There's people I don't really know and I don't love, and I hear a bad, a bad rumor about them. I believe the rumor. There's other times there's people I know, people I love, and I hear something about them, and I, and I, I don't. I know them. I love them. And because I love them, I believe the best. I'm not talking about being, um, um, what's the word? Um, naive, but, but more intentional than naive when you're ignoring. What's disregarding? Yeah, I. Willfully ignorant. I, I, I mean, you know, it's like parents that think their kids are perfect. I, I have, God has blessed us with four and now five. <laughs> but the, the four that were raised in my house are awesome kids. But I'm the first. To acknowledge, I'll be the first to acknowledge. They ain't perfect. They may fake you, but they ain't faking me. I live with them. I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about de- denial. I think that's actually really what I'm, I'm not talking about being in denial of reality. But love is not interested in unnecessarily exposing the faults. I had a I had a, an awesome experience this week. I I had a conversation with an individual who asked to talk to me, 
who shared some very private things. But in the course of them sharing with me, they referenced others, others that I actually work very closely with, that already knew everything they were sharing, but those other people that I work very closely with, that they had shared with, never one time divulged, gave the slightest hint of what was going on. And and, In case you're missing what I'm saying, I'm saying that in an absolutely, completely positive context. Again, it's one thing if you're hiding for the wrong reason something you know or... But when somebody's trusting you, there are things like all the, you know, I I hate stereotypes, both men and women. I hate them because a lot of times they're just, their stereotypes are not, men and women are different. God created men and women differently. That's, That's a fact, but stereotypes are, I pre- GPS, I ask for directions. I know that I just knocked down my man card with a bunch of you, but I don't understand. I'm sorry, I, I don't understand wasting hours driving around figuring out when all you got to do is ask for help and save all kinds of time. So, I never, years ago, I was working, this long time ago, I was putting some furniture or something together. I was in my early 20s putting something together in the old foyer before the building collapsed. I had the thing laid out. I had all the directions laid out, a reading direction, and a high school student came through at the time, saw me that, and and this is going to sound disrespectful, but the outcome really wasn't disrespectful, but uh, her initial statement was, well, you must not be a man. You're reading the directions. (laughs) She then reversed that and said, well, I guess maybe you are a real man if you're willing to read What's the point of getting to the end, especially if it's Ikea and having 30 extra pieces of something that was not an extra if you would have just followed the directions? There's a difference between the way God created us differently and just simply stereotypes. This is one of those things, I'm sure the wives here probably might want to debate me a little bit, it, 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 I think it leans a little bit towards the stereotype side, even though there may be a little bit. That's the whole men are forgetful. So, all that to say, there are some times, even to this day, where my wife finds out things that I should have told her. You're going where? You're doing what? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. But there's a difference between those things and the things that I consciously, intentionally do not tell her. And there have been a number of times in our marriage, she's like, you knew that? Yeah. You didn't tell me? No. How come? Because you didn't need to know. And if somebody else thought you needed to know, that's their business. But in my, because I, I, 
I don't want to sit here and every time I minister, I don't want to sit here and, man, I know all, every bit of John's junk. And so I'm everything I preach, man, I'm... The flip side is, if he thinks I know every single detail, then everything I say is through a filter. Of course he said that. He knows what I'm doing. He knows what I'm going through. Let me tell you something. Confidentiality is one of the most priceless resources or things. And once you've ruined it, you've ruined it. That was all a little bit extra and free, but problem is, in this, in there a statement, knowledge is power. In there, something like that. Some of y'all like to know how power, show how powerful you are, telling people all the stuff you know. Love covers all that to say. You need to know what love's all about. Watch this. Watch this. Verse eight. Charity, love. I don't know exactly why they translated this word to charity in the English instead of love. But I'm just going to read it the way it really is. Love, love never fails. Love never fails. Where there be prophecies, they shall fail. Where there be tongues, they shall cease. Where there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. But love, love, love. I know that, you know, with love, you say love, and to me it feels like every time you say that word in this, especially this kind of a setting, you just have this, you know, ooey-gooey kind of love. Again, read what Paul says love is. There's way more to love than just some kind of fluffy little feeling. Love. So, so if we go back to 1231 and the best gifts, coveting the best gifts really is Paul saying there's something more than prophecy and apostles and tongues and all this. If coveting the best gifts is coveting love and some other things, then you are coveting the thing that never fails. Thirteen, and now abideth faith, hope, and charity. Faith, hope, and love. These three. So, verse 8, all these other things are going to stop, they're going to fail, they're going to cease. Love remains. Now he says there abides faith, hope, and love. These three. But the greatest of these, the greatest of these, is love. A lot of people sitting here tonight are involved in some role of leadership, ministry in this congregation. Sunday school, kids ministry workers here, and deacons, and youth ministry, and, and other areas. What's, what's the motive? What's the reason? Here we go again. This is the big one too. It seems like it's the new big one. What's the why? What is your why? You got to know your why. We have gotten so into knowing ourselves. 
in case you all are interested, those of you that know Enneagram stuff, I'll tell you all my Enneagram number. My wife, you're the one that gave me my Enneagram number. Yeah, he did. He told me I was a 10. That's the only number I need. My gray hair is solidifying my tent. What's the why? What's I think light was a whole lot easier when we knew Oh my goodness. Whew, I need to stop. I think life was a whole lot easier when we knew less about ourselves. Just saying. You know what? When you just love. I'm not talking, again, not some fluffy, fake, whatever love. My wife and I have learned more about each other. We've done colors. We've done uh, Myers-Briggs and know all the letters and all kind of other stuff. And let me tell you something. Her understanding more of what, kids, you're not supposed to use this word, so please. Her understanding more of why I act like a jerk sometimes, that doesn't help the relationship. I, 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 I don't, don't, don't miss here. I don't have a problem with some of the, and we, we do real colors, which is, I know it's way simple. That's good enough for me. No, I don't mean, I, I know, we got people, I got family members that, so I'm not, this is not, we, we just, we, we need to be careful we don't get so caught up in the latest fad and, and that we lose sight of, you know what, love covers a whole lot. Love makes up for a whole lot. Before I knew I was, Gold and my wife was orange. Love got us through a lot of things. Now for all of you who haven't taken real colors, you know the inside story. Let me, let me, let me find the runway. I'm going to do an Air Force landing, as Bishop would say. Here. <laughs> love is what lasts. Not all those gifts. Not, love is what lasts. I want you to notice this. Notice this. This is this this just kind of hit me today. This is after the resurrection. It's after Peter has denied Jesus. He's still working through his mistakes. And John twenty one, they're out fishing. Jesus comes on the shore. Simon Peter went up, drew the net to the land full of great fishes, a hundred and fifty and three and. For all there was so many, yet was not the net broken. Jesus saith unto them, Come and dine. And none of the disciples asked who he was, knowing it was the Lord. Jesus then cometh and taketh bread and giveth them and fish. Likewise, this is the third time that Jesus showed himself to his disciples after that he was raised from the dead. Now watch this. This is... This is Actually, if I'm not mistaken, this is, is, isn't this the first direct interaction with Jesus and Peter? Others had told him Jesus is risen. Others had told him about that. But I think, 
I may be wrong, so if I'm wrong, I apologize. But I think this may be the first, definitely one of the first. And, and I want you to notice, I guess maybe it was Thomas in the upper room, whatever, anyway. Watch this. When they had dined, Jesus saith to Simon, Simon, son of Jodas, are you dedicated to me more than anything else? Simon, you, you, you denied me, you made some mistakes. Are you committed to me more than anything else? Are you loyal to me more than anything else? Nope. Simon, lovest thou me more than these? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my lamps. Lovest thou me? And let, let's just kind of, for the context of this evening, leave off that more than these part. And that's another one. There's maybe you know the exact answer, but there's there's one thought is when Jesus said, Lovest thou me more than these? He's talking about the fish and Peter's background as a fisherman. And so, do you love me more than you love your old life? However, another take on it, which is really interesting, is what he's saying is, do you love me more than these other guys? And the reason for that is, what did Peter say to Jesus when he told him you was going to deny him? He didn't just say, I'll never deny you. He referenced the others and put himself above them in his statement of, he said, even if everybody else is offended in you, I'll never be offended. So I don't really know that it necessarily matters all that much whether he was talking about the fish and Peter's old or if he's talking about the others. The, the, the point is, the only thing he wanted to know from Peter, I know what you did, Peter. I know the mistake you made. I just, I just need to know. I just want to know. I want you to acknowledge something. Do you love me? Do you, are you pursuing the more excellent way? Song doesn't say becoming an apostolic is the best thing I've ever done. Song doesn't say going to church is the best thing I've ever done. It says falling in love with Jesus is the best thing because love is the more excellent way. Duty, devotion, responsibility is only going to take you so far. You'll only be committed to church stuff for so long if it's motivated by responsibility, right and wrong. Oh, you'll do it for a while. You will. 
You may do it okay for a fact. You may do it what looks to be well for a while, but I can promise you at some point, if you haven't chosen the more excellent way, if you haven't chosen the more excellent way because it's the more excellent way that lasts. Maybe, uh, we don't really know exactly how accurate they are, but maybe before every couple gets married, you ought to, you know, use that app and see what you're going to look like in a few years. Because it's a guarantee, I don't care how much money you spend. It's a guarantee. As time goes on, you are not going to look like who you are now. Therefore, you better fall in love with more than a figure, a physique. But if you fall in love, it's the best thing. It's the more excellent way. We, We are... I think we are unique as apostolics. We value some things way more. I've sat in rooms with clergy of different denominations. And it was pretty clearly communicated in that room by, by pastors, local pastors in this area. It was pretty clearly communicated. I, we don't really care what you believe and... We're, we're all going the same place. Doesn't matter how you, really doesn't matter what you teach, what we, you know, we know what, we got a little bit of idea of you, we, you know, you're an, we know about you and tongue talking and all that, but you know, whatever, we, we're all just go, well, I'm sorry, we don't, we don't believe that. We value doctrine. From my perspective, we value doctrine more than most Churches, denominations. But if we're not careful, our devotion can become to a doctrine. It can be about what we know and what we believe that makes us different than everybody else. What we know and what we believe has got to be based on a more excellent way. I fell in love with Jesus. And when I fell in love with Jesus, I started learning things. And I started getting some understanding of some things. But when I get back to the foundation of it, it's not the knowledge that I have. It's not some kind of theological understanding I have. It's the fact that I love Him because that's the more excellent way. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm wrapping up. Here's another. This is another one of those verses that I've all, you know, I, re- I use it for my own personal benefit. <laughs> there is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. Anybody ever battled fear? And you've you've quoted that verse. You've used that verse. Absolutely. It's a weapon. It's part of the weapon of the word. God, I just, I, I need your love. I need, if I'm in your love, God, there's no room for fear. There's no place. I gotta tell you, I think until, actually until today, 
I've always basically thought of that verse strictly in the context of me and my own stuff, my own fear, my own solution. But again, look at the connection. Next verse, or let me read the Amplified first. There is no fear in love. Dread does not exist. But full-grown, complete, perfect love turns fear out of doors and expels every every trace of fear or terror. For fear brings with it the thought of punishment, and so he who is afraid has not reached the full maturity of love, is not yet grown into love's complete perfection. So again, perfect love casts out fear. There's the verse. That's the one we go to. That's our, that's our help for overcoming fear. But, but look at what it's all connected to. We love Him because He first loved us. But then, if a man say, I love God, and hate his brother, he is a liar, for he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen. How can he love God who he has not seen? So this idea of perfect love casting out fear is not just simply you and Jesus, some you and Jesus thing. Because perfect or complete love also has to do with me loving you. Perfect love is not just me receiving love. Complete love is not just me receiving love. Because how can I love Him and receive His love if I don't love you? And this commandment have we from Him. This is, this is another one of those verses I just can't quite fully understand why is it we need this but we do this is a commandment that he who loveth God loveth his brother also loving one another is not just a nice thing we do or don't do it is a command by this We get so caught up, and I believe in speaking in tongues, and speaking in tongues being the evidence of the Holy Ghost. But Jesus did not say, by speaking in tongues shall all men know you're my disciples. How are all men going to know? What is the the defining characteristics of, of, of being a disciple? Here's the part most of us are okay with. If it was... By this shall all men know you're my disciples, that you have love for the sinner. That's not what he was saying here. He was saying, the way you know is you have love one for another. This is not complete until there's also this. But he says, and and, and this is the part, and this is the part I'm trying to get to, but Again, I've always, there's no fear in love, and I, that's just God. If I can just, that's me and that's God. That's me and God. If I can just get in God's love, there's no fear, there's no torment. But in the context of what he's saying here, there, there's more to it than that. There's no fear. If you and I are fulfilling the commandment of loving our brother, of loving one another, there's no Room for fear. 
when I stumble and fall, and I know not just He loves me, but my brothers and my sisters love me. There's no, there's no fear. I, I taught it a couple of weeks ago. Confess your faults one to another that you may be destroyed. That you may be posted about on social media. No, confess your faults one to another that you may be healed. How in the world do you trust an environment where you can confess your faults to somebody and be healed? The only way you can do that is that if somebody has decided, you know what, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, or if I use in the gifts of miracles or the gifts of healings, if I'm an apostle or a prophet, whatever, whatever. Ever, as long as I love. That's the more excellent way. I said it, I'm going to say it again. I am so thankful. It is so encouraging to me as the pastor of this congregation to see the operation of the gifts of the Spirit in this congregation. But that is not the more excellent way. Jesus said, a new commandment I give you. I got a question. Was that the first time there was ever an instruction to love? No. Go back to the law. Love your neighbor as yourself. So when Jesus says a new commandment I give you, he wasn't, it wasn't a new thing to tell them to love. What was the new thing? He says a new commandment I give you, that you love one another, and here's the new. As I have loved you. Ooh. How did he love us? Greater love hath no man than this, that a man would lay down. Don't, don't tell me you'd take a bullet for me if you're not even willing to rearrange your schedule for a couple hours for me. We're all so caught. Well, I'll lay down my life. Woo, I'll lay down. Yeah, Really? What if I've got a crisis and I'm I got an emergency and I need you to change your plans to come help me? That that's laying down your life also. We think we do. I've had people, literally, this is no exaggeration. I'm not making this up. This is one person in particular. They were they were playing the lottery and expecting to win it and told me numerous times when they did. What a blessing they were going to be to the church. I never seen a dime. <laughs> because you can tell yourself all day when the big stuff comes in, you'll. He that is faithful in that which is least is going to be given responsibility for much. Covet. The best, the best.
I want to show you a more excellent way. Let's, let's not compromise the doctrine. Let's not change what we believe the Word of God says. Let's, let's, let's not weaken what we stand for and what we believe is truth. Let's not compromise any of that, but let's not make that the epitome of our goal. There's a more excellent way. Father, I pray that you would help us tonight. Lord, I am amongst a group of people that are known, that demonstrate their passion and hunger for you and the things of the kingdom and ministry and spiritual warfare and intercession and evangelism and giving and all these different things that are such a part. They've They've been a part of our DNA since the foundation of this church and they continue to be a part of our DNA. They're a part of who we are and what we do. But God, I pray tonight that you would help us, that you would help this congregation. That we would covet the best gifts. We need all of those other things. We need the operation of your Spirit. We need the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge. We need tongues and interpretation. We need all of those things, God. There's no way to accomplish what you've called us to do without having those things active and operative in our midst. God, that's not where we're supposed to put all of our focus and attention. I pray, God, that all of those things would be the outflow of love, your love in us and through us. That those would become the byproduct of us loving you and loving one another and pursuing the the best gifts. Lord, I pray that you would help us tonight, God, as we are winding down a new year or an old year and about to head into a new year. I I pray that there would be a renewal in each one of us individually. Lord, if in any way in our lives, in any area, we're doing what Paul said and, and, and we're, we're prophesying or we're ministering, we're doing, we're giving, we're involved in ministry, but it's not really based on love. I pray, God, that you would work in us, work on us, work through us. By your grace, God, I pray that we collectively as a congregation and also individually would pursue the more excellent way. In the name of Jesus Christ, the thing that does not, will not fail, Lord. Let us live not just in that love that we receive, but that love that flows through us to one another. In the name of Jesus Christ, in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Look forward to seeing you at some point this weekend. In Jesus' name.